Welcome to the Running with James podcast. We're committed to helping runners, OCR athletes, and the everyday person get involved, get connected, and get committed to becoming the best versions of themselves. Remember, when you change your mind, you change your life. Now here's your host, James Wyatt. And welcome back to our third episode of Running with James. We are so excited to be with you today. Lauren, how are you feeling today? Feeling pretty good. Wonderful. Rocky? Yeah. Always good. Always good. I love it. How mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. That's, and positivity is the word of the day, I know. I, Lauren. I can feel the heat. You should. I always get in trouble you with you. You should. We speak life around this place, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I'm the worst thing since sliced bread. I can't do anything. I never said I that. I suck. <laughs> I did say that once. <laughs> I don't know. You're awesome. You're I, amazing. I did say that. I suck Say <laughs> how good you are, right? Without being too full of yourself. I'm really good at say, I'm really good at being late. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's you are great at truth, that. right? No, you're. Uh, it's so funny because uh, pretty much whenever we go do a workout or a run, and I say, okay, guys, we're going to start the workout or run at this time. I have to like preface if I'm like have an appointment or something afterwards that hey, I'm starting at seven a.m. and and I look at Lauren as I say it because inevitably at seven a.m. I get a text saying I'm running a few minutes late. I cannot tell you how many times I've got an email, a text that said that. I mean, if we, honestly, if we thought about the amount of years we've known each other, yeah. it could fill a book. It's like, it's not a surprise when I get it. I'm just like, yeah, we know, Lauren. We know it's going to happen, I think right? the bigger shock is when I'm early. Yes, this is true, which it happened like once ever. So, uh, so I digress. Anyway, I apologize, guys, for that. Uh, we want to get into this today. So, this is our third episode, technically. Uh, we're excited to be here. So, today, we're going to be talking about how to be a better runner. We figured, since this is running with James, it's as a, a running podcast, it's a great place to start, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, so, you're probably here because you run a little bit, or maybe you want to learn how to run. So, today, we're really going to kind of dive into that. Um, but this past weekend, uh, real quick, we actually had a competition we went and uh, were a part of. Uh, so like the crash dash, so everybody in the room, all competed. We all were there, right? Yeah. So how'd it go, guys? It was a lot of fun. It was early. It was cold. That's the only Definitely complaint. Cold. That is not the fault of the event. That is the fault of Mother Nature. Yeah, it was freezing. It but was cold. It was a really fun event, and I thought they did a really good job of putting it together. Yeah, it was well organized. They put it together really well. Uh, it was a good event. It was fast, very fast, quick, back to back to back. How? I want to know how you did, Rocky. How you felt? <laughs> I know how you did because I was there, but how did you feel? Come back, kid. Yeah. Uh, I felt like, why did I agree to do this? <laughs> I felt a lot of emotions. This was my, if y'all don't know, this was my first competition back out of retirement since the marathon of 2020. Yeah. And I've worked out three times since that marathon <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> That's actually pretty uh, accurate. Well, you know, Jordan struggled a little bit when he came back at first, right? Yeah. You know, he had to kind of ease back into it too, right? But then he, he started dominating again, mm-hmm. right? So you got a month. Right, our next competition, we're going to be doing another crash dash actually here at BC Fitness. So it's going to be on the uh, BC Fitness uh, home turf, home Home, game advantage, home turf. So by then, man, you'll be back in the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, killing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I am too, actually. Yeah. So be honest. Did you miss it a little bit? Even when you're there and hurting a little bit? Yeah, every moment. Just the whole like the nerves when you get there. You see everyone like, oh, mother, run against you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I still have that. I'm in kind of shape feeling. Mm-hmm. 
literally the first four hundred, first two hundred meters going to the fence, I was like, okay, I can't keep this pace up. <laughs> so normally, <laughs> you're a really strong down. runner. So how did you feel about the heavier weight? So that's actually, I was going to use my running to my advantage. Like, oh, I could run. I'm gonna catch all these guys on the running. And then when it comes to the weights, they're gonna get me. But running, I'm gonna catch them. That was a lie. <laughs> that was a big time lie. Um, and then we have Tommy. Yep. Shout out Tommy. Tommy BC did Fit, great as always. Who started like 15 minutes after me, and he passes me up. Yeah. And that was like, you know, just like a, another crusher. But that moment when he passed me up, I was like, "What did you expect, Rock? Yeah. What did you really expect? Yeah. You're not." You well, and I mean, in Tommy's defense, that dude has been grinding. He really it has out for the last like year or so. Like he's really been. He's stuck to a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Kind of some main principles, and the dude has like his fitness has increased. Like leaps and bounds. So, well, and I'd like to say that whenever I, because I got to see part of Tommy's run, whenever I see Tommy like do it, he always has this look of coolness about him. He doesn't yeah. usually look overly stressed. The Latin Tom Selleck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's smooth. He's he smooth. always looks like, oh, I'm just out here having a good time. With I'm the Tommy. <laughs> I'm Tommy and I'm cool and I'm Latin. <laughs> and I'd have a mustache if my wife would let me. <laughs> was that a good Tommy impression? No, but I I'll feel let like it slide. Was. He talks kind of like that. I'm, t- I'm Tommy and I'm cool. Sure. Your glasses and I say you might have. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And a hat. And we're all black. We shouldn't give you the beanie. Yeah. So, okay, it was a horrible Tommy impression. Tommy, if you're listening, I don't apologize. Deal with it. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about running and the, what I like to call actually the five rules of running or the golden rules of running. So we're going to kind of dive into each one. We'll probably spend more time on one than another just based off of how the conversation goes. Um, but real quick, give you an overview of what we really kind of how we approach running. And a lot of this has, is kind of st- is not kind of it's steeped in science, right? Years and years of study and athletes from the professional side going from the 400 distance all the way up to marathon and ultra training, right? So these are tried and true methods. So the first rule we want to jump into is what we call the 80-20 principle, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, We're going to talk about the 80-20 principle. We're going to talk about what we call the 10% rule. Uh, We're going to get into the 20-30 rule. Uh, We're going to talk about drills because they pay the bills. And then we're going to talk about strength and cross training, right? So let's dive first into uh, the very first one, and that's the 80-20 rule because I really feel like this is probably um, by far the most important. And the reason I say it's the most important is because I feel like this is the one that you'll get the most results from. Okay. So what is the 80-20 principle? So 80% of your efforts are going to be at an easy pace, very manageable, and 20% will be at a harder, sometimes max pace. Okay. So when we talk about that 80-20, right? So the bulk of our training is done easy, Mm -hmm. right? And then a a small portion of it is done in those higher intensity levels, right? So what what will we consider easy? What What do you consider easy? And feel free to say what you considered easy before I constantly harp on you about what easy is. <laughs> Again, I love how you look directly into my eyes. Well, you're sitting across from me. What do you expect? No, there's, it's not hard to turn your head 45 degrees. But 90, but okay. Let's, it's not, I apologize. It's not okay, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's truth. Um, so I would say, what was the original question? What is considered easy? Yeah. What is what you can talk, a talking pace. Like you should be able to have a conversation at this pace. Like maybe you're breathing a little heavy, but you should not feel fatigued okay. anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, for me, that was a big struggle because mm-hmm. I was always trying to keep up with the people who are faster than me. And I was like, this is just what I have to go through to get better. This is yeah. totally normal. Mm-hmm. And you have had to spend quite a bit of time beating that out of me. Yeah, I feel, I think it's hilarious. It doesn't matter how many times we've ran together, right? I still do it. Uh, like me or myself, Lauren, Joyce, you know, some of the people from our running group, shout out Cray, Champions Running Association. 
you know, we're running, and as we're running, we're talking or whatever, and this is what I hear in the background. <laughs> I'm like, what's your heart rate at, Lauren? It's always, well, so that's what he do. He won't even stop me. He'll be like, what's your heart rate? And I'm always like, it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. Her and Joyce, the same way. <laughs> like, Joyce, what's your heart rate? It's good. It's good. In between gasping it's good. for air. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Like they sound like they're hyperventilating or like somebody needs to get like one of those inhalers, right? So they can recover before they die. And then they won't tell me what their heart rate is, right? So so we kind of do put the heart rate with it, right? So, yeah. you know, I'm not necessarily someone that says you have to watch your heart rate all the time, right? But it is a tool. It's a metric that we can utilize to really help us because sometimes I don't think we understand what easy running feels like, okay? So one way we talk about it is, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm you know, you can hold a conversation, right? So I like yeah. to say it, you're running fast enough where you can kind of hear yourself breathe, yeah. but you're running slow enough where you could talk just like we're, what we're talking right now, right? So uh, so as you develop that, right, one way to help you with that is kind of watching where your heart rate is, right? So there's all types of heart rate monitors from your wrist to your chest, right? Um, you know, Garmin, you know, Apple, you know, and not all of them are created equal, but they do give you a good generalization. And I think they're accurate enough to help you get where you need to go, right? Um, so keeping your heart rate in that, what we call zone three, right. Mm-hmm. Or your aerobic zone, right. So, um, and that's really just where your heart becomes efficient at processing oxygen. Right. Um, and so when we stay in that aerobic zone, then what happens is the heart gets stronger. Right. So, uh, some of you guys may know this, some of you may not, you guys, uh, I think should know this is that, you know, one of the main energy systems your body uses is oxygen, right? So your body takes oxygen and it converts it into energy, right? And so when your heart is pumping, it's pumping blood, which is full of oxygen, oxygen, right? So it's pumping blood full of oxygen to your muscles, okay? And so as it's pumping that blood to your muscles, well, it's giving your muscles the amount of energy it needs to do whatever the activity you're doing is, right? And then once it utilizes, it creates this waste byproduct, carbon dioxide, whatever, lactate. And so your heart is pumping out and pumping in, right? So it's bringing that uh, you know, it's bringing, you know, that blood back to the heart where it can, you know, send the carbon dioxide to the lungs and then exo facto recycle and then do the whole process all over again. Right. And so I, I watched this actually, I was telling Lauren about this the mm-hmm. other day. Uh, did you ever get a chance to watch it? Part of it. You probably can do all the whole thing. Okay. So it was 10 minutes long, but that means no. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> laughing. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Don't lie. So anyway, uh, it was really interesting because the gentleman, uh, his doctor or what have you, and he was kind of explaining like how the heart can, you know, how it affects training, endurance training, whatever. And so he was talking about basically the heart is a muscle. We know that. Everybody knows that, right? Um, and so the heart itself can pump anywhere from like, usually pumps anywhere from like three to five milliliters of um, blood to, to your muscles, right? Mm-hmm. When, when you're just sitting around like this talking, right? And the average person who's not super active, whatever, starts running or starts lifting weights or starts doing something, the heart increases like drastically. And then begins to pump up to like 15 milliliters, right? So like moving five times more, right? Blood. And that's to give you the oxygen, the energy you need to perform, right? Well, in seasoned athletes or people who train on a regular basis, that number can get as high as 50 milliliters of blood, right? And so it's funny, like you think about those numbers and those numbers are significant. Three, three to five, 15 to 50. That sounds like bigger numbers. But Mm -hmm. when you actually see it, he was showing kind of, not diagrams, but actually showing like a little bitty like a measurement measurement of it and then like a jug so it's like a shot of blood versus yeah. like your water bottle exactly like an actual jug of, of of blood or what have you and so what happens is is when you spend the majority of your time in your aerobic zone 
Well, your heart gets stronger, right? Um, the, the cellular walls increase, and so that means it's able to pump larger volumes of blood, which has more. So the more volume of blood you have, the more oxygen you can send, right? So that also means the more energy you can create, which means your muscles can perform better. They're stronger. They have more endurance. And so they can function at a greater capacity, right? Well, here's another really cool thing is that as it continues to get stronger and better, well, you guys have ever heard of VO2 max. You ever heard of that before? Yeah. Right? So constantly y'all are always telling me, oh, my VO2 max is down. Garmin says my VO2. And Okay. So it's a guesstimation, guys. Okay. So if you're watching right, if you're listening right now and you're looking, you're trusting Garmin's VO2 max, it's not accurate. It's a guesstimation. It's good to look at, but don't put all your hopes and dreams in it. Okay. But VO2 max, does anybody know what that means? It's the conversion, right? Are you asking me or telling me? I'm I feel asking. like I said the same no, thing. No, I'm week. asking. I'm, it's a kid's converting. Uh, well, basically, simply VO2 max. What does that sound like? If you were to break that down. Uh, well, Garmin explained to me that mine was 56. <laughs> I just want Garmin to explained to me that mine was 56. And what does that number mean? That means that uh, the volume of oxygen getting to my blood is at 56 squared. I don't know. Square inches. <laughs> square feet per, per yard. It's per square like feet per acre. Shout out to me, Corazon. It's working very good. It's, oh, it's absorption. It's, um, it refers to how much oxygen your body can absorb. There we go. Okay. Not conversion. So my the bad. volume of oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. So the fitter you are, right? And usually VO2 max is increased by higher intensity efforts a lot of times. I mean, obviously, doing the, the stronger your heart gets, you're, you're going to pump more oxygen or whatever. So, but when you do some of those intensity efforts that are a little bit higher, like when you start doing the 20% that we're going to get to in a little while, well, then you can pump your blood is more oxygen dense, right? It has more oxygen in it. So if you're able to get your heart where it can pump more volume of blood and then you can get your blood to have higher contents of oxygen in it, well, that takes your fitness from like down here to the mountaintop, right? So you said mountaintop and I was actually just wondering this. Do you remember back in the day when we would train for going to A&W in Colorado and we all got those masks? I do remember that. To restrain like how much oxygen you can take. And do you think that like actually can improve? So those elevation masks aren't actually elevation masks, right? Okay. They're just, they restrict your breathing or they mm-hmm. restrict. There's the, con- the, the concept is you're supposed to decrease your oxygen increase while you're training, right? Or intake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to simulate elevation training well and that's not actually what elevation you know stuff the elevation training basically is you know there's not as much oxygen you know the higher you go thinner right the air is thinner Mm -hmm. right um so you know as you're as you're taking that oxygen in right then you're obviously your lungs are getting stronger right um but in addition to that you have an increase in white red blood cells that kind of stuff which is where oxygen is stored all that good stuff so uh, but those Oxygen masks don't actually do that. That's not actually what they're doing. So you're saying we trained with them and looked like a bunch of goof heads for no reason. Uh, yeah, it was a waste of time. Cool, cool, cool. Pretty cool. much. So Good to know. Uh, like a bunch of us running around with those that. things on. Yeah. Did, well, here's a question. You used them. Did you feel like they helped? No, I, not that I remember. Not that right. I remember. It's been years. Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. Your body can adapt pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? So obviously, if you train for extended periods of time at higher elevation, you're going to get fitter. Sure. Right? You're, you're going to be way more efficient at processing oxygen, um, but your body will adapt to an extent. So, you know, I think kind of the way it's supposed to work is um, like, if you're going to do an event that's in higher elevation, well, you want to get there, you know, 
the day of the event or five days before the event. Because right? I've talked to you a lot about wanting to do an out-of-state mm-hmm. race, and yeah. I've mentioned wanting to do them in like Utah or Colorado, mm-hmm. and that's usually a concern. Well, I'm not so concerned about the elevation mm-hmm. because – like with the training that you do, like especially the higher volume training, your body gets efficient at processing oxygen. Okay. So it will be more challenging, but you're going to be good at it, right? Okay. The challenge is going to be the elevation itself, sure. right? Because we live in Houston <laughs> and 100 feet of elevation is a lot of elevation. I was going to say, if you don't know, we are a swamp. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Anything flat. Anything zero. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just a lot. straight flat, right? So you can go run bleachers all day long or you can go find a parking garage, but it's not going to be like going and running you know, 2000 feet up a mountain, mm-hmm. you know, so that would be my concern would just be your body's ability. To actually, Fair enough. And really technique, right. Of running up the mountain. You remember yeah. the race we did in uh, Vermont? Oh yeah. Right. Oh, I remember. So that. there was like at mile four, right. It was a good race. It was fast and great obstacles, but at mile four, there was like a 2000 foot climb straight For up a mountain. Two miles. Yeah. So it was just literally not like winding back and forth. You just went up. Yeah. You did go straight up and I was literally crawling yeah. halfway. So like I was, you know, I was power hiking like everybody else, but like dudes were power hiking faster than me. Like they weren't trying to run. They were just power hiking twice as fast. Right. Guys. I was like, I had passed like way back down, like three miles ago on obstacles, just, just blowing by them were walking up the mountain faster than me. I could walk. Right. So, and then coming down is another story, right? The technique oh, yeah. of coming down and you know, for me, it was a fear factor of just not wanting to die, right? <laughs> I'm tripping over a rock and breaking my neck or something. There was no controlling the speed. No. you went down. No. You could try, but... So that's technique, right? Sure. So you need to practice that and you got to get the confidence to do that. So, um, but yeah, so we run 80% or we train. And really, this is not just running, guys. This is like, what I've learned is this goes across the board for all of your training. If you'll apply this kind of principle, this 80% easy, 20% more difficult to all of your training... Um, it's crazy the amount of gains you can get, um, even in your strength training. Like if you're lifting weights or you're doing cross or whatever. I was going to say, so for everyone out there who is out there just like hulking it out at the gym, mm-hmm. proceed with caution. Yeah. Do well, instead, do a lot of reps. That's that concept that if you're not going hard, you're not training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So if you're not like, if you're not bleeding, that was kind of our concept back in the day, right? It was. If you're not bleeding, you didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't rip your hands open, you weren't, that wasn't what even were you grip. Doing? Yeah. You didn't even like, I mean, did you even warm up? Right. No. I knew, no. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> I remember one day I walked into the gym and this is when I knew we had things had to change. I walked into the gym. I was like, hey, guys, I know I'm a little bit late. What's the warm-up? And this is what I get. Oh, we're doing 300 pull-ups. That's not a warm-up. What the heck are y'all talking about? That's like, that's and that was dead serious. That was like normal. That was a warm-up. That was like the normal warm-up. That's not a warm-up. Yeah, we followed right. blindly. We're like, okay. Oh, yeah, whatever you say. Right? So uh, I think it's important to understand why we do things. And you know, once we understand why we do them, right, we can practice them a little bit better. But that easy training, right? And here's the deal is easy training is not the same for everybody, right? Yeah. So Rocky, right? Before your little, before your retirement session, right? What was easy for you then is probably challenging for you now. Very right. Mm-hmm. And in a few months, you know, once you're back in the 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 swing of things, what's hard for you now is probably going to be super easy, mm-hmm. right? So, like on on a regular basis, so I like to use math like pretty easily to kind of mm-hmm. because it's just easier to kind of get a concept of this. So, you know, for me, I do about ten workouts a week. Okay, so there's a couple days I do two a days, right? Um, and I consider a workout is anything that's physical that gets your heart rate elevated. So like some days I run in the morning and then I'll do like a strength workout in the afternoon, right? That's two workouts as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll do like 10 workouts a week. Well, of those 10 workouts, two of those workouts are harder, mm-hmm. right? So they're high intensity. Uh, my heart rate gets up in you know my lactate threshold or in my anaerobic zone or what have you. 
But the rest of those workouts, the other eight of those workouts are low intensity, easy. And the, even the days that I have two a days, so like on Tuesday, usually I'll get up and do it. We'll do like a trail run in the morning, but we go super duper easy, right? I'm running super slow. Um, I usually am in zone two, zone three, most of the time. Um, and then in the afternoon, I usually do a workout and it may be a little bit of running, maybe. Um, but it's usually like either like an OCR style workout where I'm doing obstacles or um, it'll be like kind of a, you know, you know like a kind of functional fitness type workout, right? Where I may be lifting a little bit of stuff. But even then, I keep it pretty low key, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so at the end of the day, even though I've worked out twice that day, I don't feel like, I don't feel tired. I don't feel beat up, right? And so at the end of a workout, if you want to consider it what we call an easy workout, you should be able to probably do that whole workout over again. Um, that's how you should feel. Sure. Or you could do it again. So I have a question. So, and I've asked you this, I think before, but for everybody else, when you're doing like your two days and you're managing between your strength training and your running, should you do one over the other first? Like, should you do your running first or should you do your strength training first? Well, I think it just depends on what your, your number one, what your goal is, Mm -hmm. right? So that usually is the the first factor. And then also when are you doing it? Right. So Mm -hmm. like for me on Tuesday, I get up early Yep. so I can go run like six miles. Okay. So I usually do my strength workout in the afternoon, mm-hmm. right? Because it's part of a class or I'm, you know, hosting something like for the community or something like that. So I just do it then, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so if you're putting them together, right? Um, if you're trying to, if you're really more focused on like the strength aspect of it, well, then I would do the strength stuff first, mm-hmm. right? Do the running after. Um, if your focus is more on the running, well, then, you know, I do the strength after, right? So. Okay. Um, cause you want to make sure you have the most energy okay. for the thing that's most important for you sure, at that, that time. Sense. Right. So that's what I, you know, that's my, my suggestion on that. So, um, so we talk easy running, right. We talk, uh, zone two, zone three. Um, so kind of give you a concept of the zones themselves, right. Um, if you're going to do this kind of training, right. So zone one is basically like what we're doing right now, right. Uh, zone two is what we call like your fat burning, uh, recovery zone. So your heart rate's operating at a low enough activity level where you can, pump blood really well so you're flushing out waste lactate all the good stuff uh carbon dioxide whatever um and but it's very low intensity level zone three is that aerobic okay so that's still an easy level zone four is probably where most people live most of the time right so and usually what people do is they live in zone four but it's like the bottom of zone four yeah so it's not like intense they feel like it's easy but it's not it's just hard enough that like they don't get any benefit from it, right? Yeah. Um, which if you look at, and here's the deal, and this is how you can tell. If when you go out and run and you've been running, say, for say eight weeks or more, and you're not getting faster, you're probably doing it wrong. How do you stop like trying to run fast? How do you discipline yourself? I know I have that issue. If I go to the park, I see other people running like. I got them. Yeah, I got it. I, it's a race. <laughs> Automatically turns like, or I, I can't look slow. It's a, yeah. It's an embarrassing thing. Yeah. How do you get over that hump? How do you discipline yourself? How do you? So that was probably the hardest thing for me, mm-hmm. right? That was the hardest thing is because uh, I'm very competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I should be faster than pretty much anybody out there, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not elite athletes, but like, mm-hmm. you know. The regulars. Everybody else, right? And so it's a pride thing, I think, first of all. Um, and so, you know, I see this a lot on like Strava, right? On social media and stuff like this. As you see, you know, one of my, uh, one of my clients, one of my athletes calls it, um, uh, what are they, what does she call it? She peacocking? Call, no, not peacocking. Uh, oh my gosh, my brain's oh, not working. I know. Like vanity, vanity runs. Post. She calls Van, them vanity, vanity runs, runs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so basically where it's like you're checking Strava to see what paces other people mm-hmm. are running, right? And so I see this all the time, like especially in like, like people I race against and stuff. And I think a lot of us are guilty of it too. They run 
like faster than I do all the time, right? I mean, they're always running faster, right? And then we get to the races and they're not running faster, right? Yeah. So not to say that, you know, that, you know, the, the speed of your race is really the most important thing, but it doesn't matter how fast you go when you're running mm-hmm. and training. What matters is, are you improving in your races, right? Or are you improving when you test yourself, right? And that's what I think of the most events as is just a, a test of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. So here's a story, a little funny story. Uh, so I was trying to kind of get this whole concept of slowing down and it was killing me inside like a little bit, right? Because I felt like I even remember telling my wife that like, oh, my knees are killing me running slow. It, it hurts my knees to run slow, right? So, you know, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. And so I was at Memorial Park, right? And it's like a three mile loop. So I was running and I was trying to run easy. And this girl like passes me up. This lady passes me up. Um, But then as soon as she gets past me, she slows down enough that she's still like maybe five feet in front of me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of catty corner to her. And so she kept kind of looking over at me. And I thought, okay, this chick thinks I'm like, I'm like stalking her or something. Mm I on a like, loop. Yeah, on a loop, right? <laughs> you can't go anywhere. Else. I can't go anywhere. I can't turn. I can't do anything. So I speed up and pass her, right? Well, then a few minutes later, here she comes. She passes me again, right? But then as soon as she gets past me, she slows down again, right? She's planning this. And so I'm like thinking to myself, I was like, okay, I don't know if this is me, if this is her, because I'm, I'm, I'm running the same pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and But she keeps slowing down. So I'm like, all right, let me just go ahead and pass her, get it over with, and I'll just whatever. So I pass her again. And then a few minutes later, I hear her coming again. And I'm like, what the crud? I was like, all right, lady, I don't know who you think you are, but watch this. So I, start, yeah, so I start picking up the pace. Well, guess what happens? She starts picking up the pace. So I pick up the pace even more. She picks up the this pace. This is like a gazelle and a cheetah. Right? So I'm, I'm like, all right, you want to go? Let's go. Right? So I take off. Bro. I'm running like a five-minute mile. Right? I only had like maybe a half mile to go anyway. So I was like, I can crush her will in the next half mile. I wasn't crushing her will, dude. Dang. She was like step for step. I mean, I could feel her like on my backside, right? So I'm running, and then there was like kind of a you know a place where I could where I knew I was going to stop because that's where my jeep was or whatever. So I'm running, and I'm like, she ain't getting me. She ain't getting me. She ain't getting me. And then I pass the line, and I stop, and I turn around, and it's this like 18 year old like dude, like he's like six foot two. He's a freaking like track athlete or whatever. It wasn't even the girl. It was just like this rando dude that was just like using me as his little rabbit or whatever. <laughs> and he was running. He wasn't even breathing heavy. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, <gasps> my heart rate's beating all fast. Right. And I thought, and as soon as I got done, I was like, that was ridiculous, James. <laughs> I was like, you, you only did that at a pride. Right. So after that, I was like, all right, it doesn't matter who passes me. It doesn't matter who's trying to like be faster than me. All the thing that matters is that am I improving, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing. And so I just like, now I don't care how fast I run. So that's one of the reasons we go and run together, right? Yeah. I'm always trying to slow them down. Yeah. Because honestly, it doesn't matter to me if I'm running a 12-minute mile, a 10-minute mile, an 8-minute mile. As long as I'm in my lower zones, I'm getting the benefit of it. And actually, like as we were doing our marathon training, mm-hmm. like a lot of the long runs we were doing, I was doing them significantly slower. I was very grateful for that too. But I was doing them significantly slower than I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Well, that also meant I was probably running longer than I had to, right? Sure. So instead of doing a two-hour run, I was doing like a two-and-a-half-hour run. Well, all that did was benefit me because I was in my you know, aerobic zone longer than I would have been. So I was getting the additional fitness without the extra load of the mileage mm-hmm. on my legs and on my body. So I was when I was um, talking about like improving your pace and everything, when I was doing some research for this, I found that it can take anywhere from 10 days to 14, 14 four weeks to 
do actually get a benefit from a run. So it is yeah. like a you have to be patient with the process. Yeah, I mean it takes time, right? It takes your body about four to six weeks to adapt to any type of new stimulus, mm-hmm. and that adaptation that adaptation basically is just your body getting new fitness, mm-hmm. right? That's what the adaptation is. So you know when I see people, it cracks me up. Ninjas are really bad at this. Is they'll like like two weeks before their competition, they start going hard. I mean, like right, they start they're like they're studying for a test, right? And that's it's too late then, bro. Mm-hmm. It's too late mm-hmm. by that time. You should be like just working on technique, starting to let your body rest, right? Because you're not getting any new fitness by then, right? So I tell you know I tell my athletes that all the time. Like we start tapering, they're like they hate tapering. We do right. They cannot stand tapering. Because they believe tapering is a waste of time. Well, I think it's just more scary than anything. Like you're afraid you're going to miss an opportunity to get that last minute strength. But you're right. Like scientifically, that's not going to happen. Or biologically, works, right? yeah. So here's what happens is like as you increase volume and intensity, your fitness goes up. Okay. But your fitness isn't the only thing that goes up. Fatigue also sets in, right? Mm-hmm. And so eventually fatigue will overcome fitness. And so that's why you start feeling lethargic. You're not going, you're not hitting the paces or you're not able to lift the weight or whatever it is. And so what tapering does or recovery you know, planning in recovery weeks into mm-hmm. your training blocks or whatever. What that does, it allows the fatigue to come down. And then what's crazy is you get another bump in fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the marathon we ran mm-hmm. uh, back in January or whatever, you know, I had a kind of a very aggressive goal that I was shooting for. And so on the end of my long runs, I was adding additional like speed work, right? So like if I was doing a 22 mile long run, well, like say the last six miles, I was trying to run them at race pace, right? So it was goal race pace. So you know, trying to get the speed on the legs when their legs were tired, right? And I remember like my last long run, I did like 22 miles and I ran the last 10 miles at goal race pace, right? And when I got to mile 12, which is when I was supposed to start, I was all I could think about is how the heck am I going to hold this pace for the next 10 miles? And I'm like grinding it out and I'm dying. And all I could think to myself when I had like two miles left was, how am I going to do this pace for 26 miles? I, it was not a confidence builder, right? But then over the next three weeks, as I began to decrease the load because I was tapering, like each week I felt better and better and faster and faster and faster. And then when I got on race day, holding the race pace was like, it felt easy. It wasn't like hard. It felt easy because that, that fatigue came down and I was able to get that bump in fitness. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So let's talk about the 10% rule. So what's the 10% rule? 10% increase every week. Okay. Whether it's strength, pace, or repetition. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Like, how do you, how do you go about using, like, utilizing that? Um, so if it's on my runs mm-hmm. every week, I'm adding 10% to my total run mileage, my mileage accumulated for the week. If okay. it's weight, I'm maybe adding 10% more weight to okay. my weight for the week. Okay. So what is, what's been the benefit for you to do that? Um, it's definitely allowed me to not, well, I'd say for me, it's, it's, I haven't been breaking myself. Like instead of me thinking, okay, I just need to go out and do like a 15 mile run because I should be doing that by now. Mm -hmm. I've slowly started to work my way up without feeling like I need to kill myself. But, and then, you know, I'm way ahead of the game or I'm over, over fatigued. I'm tired all the time and I'm not performing well. Yeah. We've, I, you've seen me where I just show up to class and I'm like barely moving. Right. So but why I, are you barely moving? I overtrain. I, I do too much too soon because I think I need to keep up with people or I need to like prove to myself that you can you can go harder. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that vanity it's stuff again. It's a vanity again. thing it's the for pride sure. stuff mm-hmm. again, right? Uh, and so, you know, I don't think you're really out there, at least my concept, I'm not out there to prove anything to anybody but mm-hmm. myself, right? Yeah. So the only person I'm really competing against usually is myself, right? So, you know, especially road races, when I go out to road races, I know that, you know, Several of those people are going to be faster than me. Most everybody's going to be faster than me, right? 
depending on the size of the race. Okay. Some of the smaller races, maybe not. Uh, but some of the bigger races, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to be up toward the front. And so I'm not worried about, can I keep up with the dude who's at the front, right? Who's one of those elite guys. I'm worried about, you know, I'm concentrating on, can I be faster than I was last time I did this event or this distance? And, you know, can I keep the pace that my goal is, right? I do the same thing in OCR events, right? Obviously there's a, um, you know, a measure of racing, but usually I, whatever my race plan is, whatever I kind of create to get whatever my goal is, that's where I stick. And if somebody else takes off like a nut job, you know, I'm not going to try to race with them. I'm not going to try to run with them. Well, I'm going to hold a, my pace. There's a good chance you're probably going to catch them later. And that usually does happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, but they couldn't get off obstacle or they die, right? Because they went out too hot. Die. Right. That's when I mean like. They, that's aggressive, but yes. Yeah, sure. Not like death, death. Extreme <laughs> case scenario. <laughs> I mean like, you know energy, what I mean. Going. Energy yeah, yeah. levels drop, it. right? So yeah. So that 10% rule allows our bodies to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. Without overdoing it, right? So the two biggest causes for injuries. Do anybody know? L- um, overtraining. Mm-hmm. That's one. What's the other one? Rocky. Overtraining. I already said that. <laughs> oh, he wasn't listening. Yeah, it was. Oh, you said the two biggest causes. Yeah, overtraining and uh, lack of not stretching. <laughs> lack, <laughs> lack of elasticity in your body. Uh, lack of lack of not knowing. Um, <laughs> um, muscular. I was gonna say ill preparedness, but uh, muscular imbalances. Muscular imbalances. Yes, great job, that. Rocky. So yeah, so the two biggest causes for injury. Standard-wise, ask any physio, whatever, right, coach, if they know what they're talking about, usually they'll tell you the two biggest causes for injuries are going to be overtraining and muscular imbalances, mm-hmm. okay? And if you can kind of adjust address those two things, it's crazy what your body can do, right? Um, and so the 10% rule really kind of helps to alleviate that, right? So you're not training so hard that you end up getting injured, right? And so really that 80-20 principle as well is is super impactful in keeping you from getting injured, right? So I see this all the time. I know you guys can attest to this, right? You could probably preach to this a little bit. I'm sure I can, whatever it is. Uh, but I see people getting hurt all the time. Oh, gosh, yeah. Right? Constantly. And, and I have people come to me like as a run coach all the time after, you know, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I don't need anybody they to help me. Help. I don't need help. And then they're injured all the time, right? And yep. that's kind of a rule. If you run, you're going to get injured. Which is funny because I have yet. Well, I can't say I haven't been injured. I have had it hip flexor tightness, but I haven't like had a major injury. Yeah. So people, and usually those hip flexor tightness thing you're talking about happens when you do what? Overtrain. You break the rules. I do break the rules. Right. She breaks them all the time. Right. So I see this, I see it happen on a regular basis. And, you know, because people like, it's that concept of if you're not training hard all the time, you're not going to get results. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so by, you know, kind of sticking to these rules, it is amazing. Like not only like the fitness you can get, but cause real fitness doesn't just come from like one workout. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, we had a conversation a couple weeks about, Oh yeah, right. Like we have these conversations often, often. Right. Because you're thinking this is the workout. Yeah. This is the one workout. The magic workout. This is going to tweak it. I'm going to be like She-Hulk after Exactly. This. After this one workout, I'm going to be amazing, right? Yep. And that's not how it works. It's consistent not. efforts over extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. It's multiple workouts, right? And so I even tell people, sometimes people will message me and they'll be like, oh, I missed my workout because you know this happened or I got sick or something like that. And, I, and I'm like, hey, it's okay. You missed one workout. You've hit seven months of workouts. You've barely missed any. You don't lose points by missing one. No, right? One workout doesn't ruin months and months of like legitimate, consistent training, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it's the volume, right? It's the consistency of it that really gets you the results. Um, and so, and one bad workout doesn't 
mess up a bunch of good workouts, no. right? So, you know, understanding that I think kind of gives us the concept that, you know, we can, you know, maybe not put so much pressure on ourselves, Sure, you know, um, and understand that as we're building the volume, it really doesn't take very long, even with the 10% rule. I saw somebody post the other day that they were, they were trying this out and mm-hmm. they were like, you know, I did my long run today and it's going to take a while to get my mileage up to 10%. It really does not. You get there faster than you'd think. Way faster than you think, right? We did the math on mine and like I got my mileage up really quick. Once you start getting into those bigger miles, 10% starts adding. It does. It adds up really quick, right? Um, And it's not even, you don't even, most of the time for most of my athletes, I don't even do the 10% roll, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Once we get to a certain number, usually I'll just do like a 5% roll, right? Because it's just not a necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially if they're new to like the higher volume mileage. Mm-hmm. Well, I want, you know, I don't want to over inundate them, right? I don't want to overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to be able to get the fitness and I want them to come to me and say, oh, because usually here's what happens. Uh, like if you're training for a marathon, mm-hmm. right? Uh, bare minimums. And this really probably is not enough mileage in my opinion, but they did a, a survey a couple of years ago for the Houston marathon. Um, and for the individuals that ran under four hours, okay, which is a, it's a good goal. It's a good time. Yeah. It's a very, it's like a benchmark for most people, right? I would say so. Sub four hours. Um, the average mileage a week for the marathoners that, that were under four hours, you know what that distance was? And it surprised you. I'm going to say it was probably like 25. Okay. I ran 35, 40s. Okay. So 25, 35. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Final answer? Yeah. Final answer? 40. Okay. The average mileage was 40. Now, obviously some ran lower, Mm -hmm. right? Some ran more, Yeah. right? But the average mileage per week was 40 miles a week. Now, that wasn't the whole time they were running, right? But that's probably what their peak mileage was. Sure. Okay. Well, if I tell most of my athletes when they come in, I'm going to have you run 40 miles in a week. And people listening right now are like, who can run 40 miles in a week? It takes so much time. She's saying it takes so much time. It doesn't really. really, It really doesn't. Once you get into it, and as you increase, if you increase properly, if you don't go from like 15 to 40. I mean, like the literally amount of time you have to stop and do it. To me, that takes a lot of time. No, it doesn't really. Honestly, what you're mm-hmm. thinking about is the long run. Sure. You're thinking about thinking when you're running a marathon and you've got to go do an 18 mile long run. That's right? fair. Yeah. But that's how many days a week? One. How many runs is that a week? One. It's not a trick question. One. She's looking at me like she's scared to answer wrong. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying to like, what does my plan say versus what am I doing? <laughs> one. So yeah, it's just once, right? Yeah, once so it's crazy. Last week, my, my week was horrible. Like I'm supposed to be averaging 40. That's my goal for the year. So I average 40 miles a week. Mm-hmm. And so uh, last week was just, actually the last month has been not good. Like as far as just my schedule and stuff, I've been busy and like overwhelmed. And it's crazy, dude. Like I skipped, I, I couldn't run two days last week. Um, and then I didn't get my long run in either. Like, not the day I was supposed to get it in. And I still ended up with 30 miles, right? And so I felt like I didn't run at all. But I've been averaging my mileage, right? And I make sure I get it in, right? And so it can add up really quick. And it's not as challenging as you might think, but you need to progress to it, right? And make it manageable. And your time, eventually you understand mm-hmm. what you need to do to make it manageable, right? Um, so, you know, I have clients all the time that like they start out at 15 miles and that's like, it's horrible. That's so hard to get 15 miles. And then a few months later, they're averaging like 35 miles and they're like, I need more mileage. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I you know, like, like it's not enough for them. Right. So, you know, your mind shift changes, right. You, your body adapts and it becomes much more manageable. Right. Yeah. Running becomes like a fix. You have to go out and get like a three, five mile minimum out there at some point. Once you hit those mileage, it just feels good when you're out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, remember what becomes, what was hard once becomes mm-hmm. easy. Right. So, mm-hmm. Like for a lot of my clients, you know, when we start out three miles, four miles, maybe they're long run, mm-hmm. right? And then six months later, 
that's their easy run. That's their recovery day, right? Because they're doing six, seven, eight, nine mile long runs. So, you know, your body will change. Your mind will change. You're at, there's adaptations. That's the goal is mm-hmm. to continually improve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we got the 80-20 principle. We got the 10% rule. Then we have what I call the 20-30 rule. Do y'all know what the 20-30 rule is? Rocky, go ahead. I'm pulling my notes back up because my computer died. <laughs> you have been so waiting for that moment. He has been waiting for yeah. that, right? Yeah. So. Uh, the 20-30 rule is um, on your long runs, they should only be 20 to 30% of your mileage for the week. Okay. I feel like we're taking a test. Mm-hmm. And like she's taking an open book test and barely passing. And this dude's just trying to wing it, and he's failing miserably. <laughs> he's writing on my coattails. Y'all should know this stuff, man. Come it, on, guys. I just got out of retirement. I'm okay. just coming back. Okay. I don't have All a right. good excuse. No. I rely so heavily on my notes to make sure I don't sound like an idiot. Okay. So, 20-30 rule is exactly that, right? So, I see this a lot, okay? Where, like, your long run is pretty much your run, mm-hmm. right? All the majority. It's the 50%. majority, right? So I'll talk to, you know, people who've ran marathons before and I'm like, so what's your longest, what was the longest run you got up to? Oh, I did like a 20 mile long run to get ready for the marathon. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So what were you averaging for your weekly mileage? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I was like, 25. well, let's look it up. Let's bring up Garmin. Let's see what they say. And just to let y'all know, that's like the worst thing when James threatens, not even threatens, he, challenge, threat. he challenges you, pull up your Garmin. It's like you start sweating, you get clammy. Well, here's the deal. I tell you that because what you think maybe, because you have a concept in your mind of what the reality is, but then if you're actually wearing your watch and you're loading the stuff up, then there's what we call the truth, right? <laughs> so, you know, I just like seeing the data, right? And inevitably, what I see is, you know, three runs a week, one 20-mile run, one two-mile run, and like maybe a three-mile run, right? So, they're they got up to like a 25-mile like week or something, and it was all on one day, right? So they get hurt. And that's exactly what happens, right? They're like, oh, I was injured. Pretty much every time, they're like, oh, I was injured, this and that. And I'll tell them. I'm like, okay, well, what was your long run? And then I'll hear it. And I was like, what's your mileage? And I, and I already know. Mm-hmm. I already, they don't even have to tell me, right? I already I was, know. I was a gold member in that club for a while. Yeah. So if you're doing the bulk of your runs on the bulk of your mileage on one run, mm-hmm. then you're overtraining, okay? Mm-hmm. Because here's what happens is remember, four to six weeks for your body to adapt, right? Well, it's not just your heart that's adapting. It's also your muscles, your skeletal system, all of your soft tissue, like your tendons and your ligaments. Well, muscles adapt much quicker, right, than your ligaments and tendons do, right? So they take longer to heal. They take longer to, you know, with elasticity and strength and stuff like that. And so usually what ends up happening is as you're doing the bulk of your mileage on one day, well, you haven't, like, given your body that uh, the time to adapt to that longer mileage. So you'd actually be better off running 20 miles a week and not having a long run over five or six miles than doing one 20 mile long run right not only would you be better off like far as like uh as far as your aerobic capacity and on a race but you're not going to get injured right or the likelihood of you getting injured is going to be so much lower right mm-hmm. so we operate the 20 30 rule so yeah. that's basically whatever your total weekly mileage is your long run shouldn't be more than 20 to 30 percent of that mm-hmm. so and the 20 30 rule really has to do more with your 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 run experience uh, like your injury history, right? So the more injuries you've had, probably the closer to 20% you need to be, right? If you've been fit, right? You've been running for a while, you've got good experience, right? You've really built it up. Well, then you can be closer to that 30% rule, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so let's, simple math. Running 30 miles a week, what should your long run be? Don't ask me math. Rocky, go. I don't do math. Like You're the accountant. miles, seven miles. All right, so. <laughs> I panicked. It's such hard <laughs> So you just take that first number mm-hmm. and you either double it or you triple it. 
Look, math was never my strong suit. She I immediately had, grabbed her cell phone and got the calculator out. And she still is struggling. I'm still putting it. <laughs> the shade. The shade. She's like, what, what What? are we adding? What are we multiplying, dividing? So yeah. So Equals if we take 30, right? It's six to nine mile long run, right? So I bet you people out there running six mile long runs right now listening. I bet you $20 right now. None of you jokers are running 30 miles a week. Please comment right now below. We want to see it. <laughs> we want to see it, right? So if I'm doing 20 miles a week, I probably shouldn't have a run longer than six miles. Okay. Okay. So, you know, if you're doing the math and you're looking at this, well, if I'm going to run a marathon and I want to be able to run a 20 mile long run, well, how much mileage should I be running? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> math once again. Foiled. <laughs> Foiled again. Rocky. Oh, we're still on me? 20 miles? Yeah. 20% <laughs> of 20 miles? Uh, four or five miles? No. So if you want to run a 20-mile long run, how many, miles, how many miles a week should you be running, technically? Oh, dang. Like, like 60? 60 miles a week. All right. So, I answered you know how many people I talk to that are doing 20-mile long runs that are doing 60 miles for their peak week? Zero. Like less than 10% of the people, right? So, you know, can you run a good marathon off of 40 miles a week? Yes. Can you do it off of 35 miles a week? Yes, right? So it's just all in your preparation, how well you're sticking to the rules. So if you only have the capacity to run 15 or 16 miles time-wise, because Lauren said it takes a lot of time, that's fine. You can do a marathon if you run 16 to 18 miles. Like a lot of the people that uh, like beginners or I call them beginners, but people running their first marathon, most of the time, I don't have them run more than an 18-mile long run, right? So to me, that's always interesting though, because I've always heard a lot of people say their peak training distance is 18 miles i'm like well shoot to me 18 miles is like when you hit the wall so like i feel like you should be training more than that on a long run for a mile yeah so usually it's around 20 miles where you hit that that quote-unquote wall yeah right um and so the wall really just has to do with you know your muscles and you know uh your body just saying i'm done (laughs) right because it's it's uh it's tired right but that has a lot to do not just with your training but it also has to do with like the nutrition you're taking while you're running, right? Are you getting the calories you need? Are you getting the carbs you need? Is your body like done with glycogen? And so there are so many things that go into like running a marathon. That's why it's, it's such a crazy event, such a crazy distance. And most like 90% of the people doing it don't prepare properly. Right. And that's why their experience is like horrible. Right. So you don't need to do a 22, 24, 26 mile long run to prep for a marathon. The more important thing is the volume, the overall volume, than just that one run. Now, yes, the long run is probably the most important run you do because it's the most specific to that event, right? But it's not the be-all, end-all. You know, you've got so many other things that go into training or preparing uh, for that, that particular event. So, I mean, Rocky, you ran a marathon. Yep. How'd that go? Uh, I finished it. I ran a half marathon sub-130. No, that's not what I asked you. What you ask? I said you ran a marathon. Oh yes. How did that go? I ran a sub. I ran a sub one thirty half marathon. <laughs> I, okay, so I didn't do a long run. I think the longest run I did preparing for my marathon was eighteen miles, and that was one time like two months before that. Okay, but I ran maybe a half every single week. Okay, that was my longest. I would I'd run a half every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Maybe even twice a week sometimes. And what were you averaging like? Mileage wise, you know, remember um, somewhere around 40, 35, 40 miles per week. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was great. It was a great merit. I finished. Uh, <laughs> you finished? I finished both. Actually, you had a good time though. What was your time? It was sub 330. It was like 325 or something yeah, like that, something, right? Mm-hmm. And so you that's had like a real fly by the seat of your pants training, it sounds like. 
Well, not even. Now he actually had a pretty decent block. Did he just he? didn't really focus on yeah, his long run. Okay. Yeah, right? I was going for speed. his. Probably had more to do with how he paced himself on the race oh, okay. itself. Yeah, the day of, I didn't. Yeah, he went it. out like a like he was gonna. And you ran the first half in what? Sub one thirty. Yeah, so it was like one twenty nine <laughs> was his first half, right? Sub one thirty. And the okay. back half was what? Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> just about right. Yeah. So you usually want to pace that a little bit better, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably could have ran like a three fifteen or three twelve or something like that. Three oh five. If you. Yeah, no. Uh, if you had paced yourself a little bit better, right? So your fitness might have been better if you'd have paced yourself better, but you still were able to run a really fast marathon because you had high volume, mm-hmm. low intensities, right? And yeah, you ran your 18 mile or two months before, but you still got up to 18 miles, right? Mm-hmm. So you had a decent training block. You could have done way better, right? You could have performed better, but you still ran faster than probably most people out there training because you actually connected to the rules a little bit better than most people do. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could go out there and do that thing again. You probably could do sub three easy. I bet if you just put it together. Right. And then plan better. Right. So it's all about planning and training and all that good stuff. Right. So uh, the next thing we're talking about is everybody's favorite thing. And that is nutrition drills, oh, yeah. drills, 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 my absolute favorite. Right. Everybody loves drills. Right. I. Uh, no, but honestly, I had a coach in middle school. I'm a middle school coach. That's all we did. Mm-hmm. Drills on drills on drills. And so, like, when you say you got good running form, like, all we did was drills for the first, first year of running. So, I felt like I didn't get to run at all. It was just, he was teaching us how to run. And then you bring up the same drills. We do the same drills you're doing. I'm like, why don't people do this more often? I feel like you should start drills before you even want to run, before right. you go out there. Because those are, like... That's crawling before you walk, I guess. Well, usually, like, if you're going to do weight training, right, what's one of the first things you want to try to figure out before you start going super heavy? Am I? I don't know. You know. You just sound like it's a trick. You think it's a trick question. It's always a trick question. It's never a trick question. I just, I'm asking a question. If you're going to lift heavy weight, what's the first thing you need to be able to do before you pick up the heavy weight? Lift some weight. You're killing me, Smalls. (laughs) Form. Oh, yeah, form. Work on your form, right? You want good... Form. Form, right? If you don't have good form and you try to pick up heavy weight, what usually happens? You get hurt. You get hurt, okay? So you work on your mechanics. You work on your, you know, your the mobility and stuff. So running is no different, right? Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of people, they kind of fight themselves when they run, right? They, they work against themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what drills do is they're basically like, they're neuromuscular exercises, right? So they teach your brain to do something different, right? So uh, I saw an article one time and it was just talking about the human body and how amazing it is. And the adaptations it makes to be the most efficient it can be, right? And that, you know, changing your run form just probably isn't really necessary. And I found it really interesting, right? Because I was like, well, the human body is amazing and it will adapt, right? It'll adapt and overcome to keep moving because that's how we're created, right? So we're created to just keep keep moving mm-hmm. forward, right? So your body will create muscular imbalances, right? So it'll make other muscles stronger and you're you know, if you've got like a pain or something, you'll start limping to kind of compensate for it, right? And then that'll turn into like how you walk, right? I remember uh, when I, I, you remember when I ruptured my Achilles? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I was running around a boot for like a year, right? Yeah. So for like six months, I was in a cast and I was on crutches. And then after that, I went into like a boot, right? Where I could mm-hmm. walk. And for like six months, I was in this boot and I had this sweet pimp limp. Like everywhere I walked, I could hear like a swagger. Like, Done or not, not like a like a like a background track, you know, like I was a pimp everywhere I went. But when I got the boot off, his calf was so tiny. It was tiny, <laughs> a little bitty calf, little baby calf. 
uh, lucky Finn, like Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got the when I got the boot off finally, and I started walking in like regular shoes, I still had the pimp limp. Dang, that was funny, dude. Because like people were like, "Are you okay? Why are you limping?" And I didn't even realize I was limping. Was I, it like, just like memory? Like- it was just because my body was so used to limping mm-hmm. that when I walked, I just natural pimp limp. I just limping, bro. I was just. Pimping, 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 right? So I had to retrain myself to not do it. And you know what? Even to this day, that was like eight years ago, I think, when that happened. Even to this day, when I get tired or like when I'm exhausted or after a really hard workout, if you guys will pay attention, I pimp limp. Actually, after the marathon, when you kept yelling at me for walking too fast, I kind of noticed it. Yeah, I was pimp limping. You, you kind of drag one side of your body a little more. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. because the left side is stronger than the right side, mm-hmm. right? So I've adapted it, gotten better and stronger, and I've had to focus on it, but it's still there, right? So I have to really work on it. And so that's what your body does. Your body will adapt to help you keep moving forward, but it's not going to, it doesn't just know what the most efficient way is. It mm-hmm. just knows what's going to keep you moving forward. So what drills do is they help teach your brain a better way of doing things, mm-hmm. right? So they're like, they're like over-exaggerations of more efficient running form. So you know what we talk about is it doesn't really matter necessarily if you're landing on your forefoot, your heel, your toes, but it's rather where you're landing in reference to like your center of mass, right? So where are you landing in reference to your hips? And if you're landing in front of yourself, well, you're basically slowing your, yourself down. So that's why I tell, when, we look, when I look at you, I'm like, dude, you've got pretty form because you land underneath your hips. You know, you've got great turnover. Your knee drive is good. And so you naturally are falling forward. And so your running is less, has a lot less effort. So you're able to go faster without as much work, right? It's crazy. I see videos, uh, actually my very first marathon, uh, shout out to Leslie and uh, Diana. They took a video of me coming in and it was sad, bro. <laughs> sad. Like, like I'm taking these little baby steps and like, I look like I'm hurting. Like I really look like I'm hurting and I'm going nowhere. But I was like pushing so hard. I couldn't make my legs go anymore. But I'm overstriding. I'm taking baby steps and I'm still like taking these. It looks like I'm taking these huge steps, right? So I'm landing on my heel, landing in front of myself, right? And uh, this last marathon I ran, like there's video of me finishing. And I was, I was struggling. Like I was, it was hurt, right? He looked angry. I was hurting. Like my face looked like I was angry, but my form looked significantly different. Mm-hmm. I was still falling forward. Yeah, I was you had a good still, forward lean. I was still picking my heels up, driving my knees forward. And the difference in pace was a difference of about, I think I was running like an 11 minute mile that first time when I was running that last like 100 meters. And this was like a seven minute mile, right? Um, so like your body, I don't know why, it just doesn't make any sense. Your body starts like, your form falls apart when you get tired. Oh yeah. Which makes it harder for you to run. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that. My form is something I always struggle with Mm -hmm. and having to correct a lot of what my body knows because I was, like I said, dance Mm -hmm. taught me to always point your feet, have a nice little pretty turnout that does not translate well into running. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly correcting that and I can put a ton of work into it, but as soon as I start to get fatigued, all goes out the window. Yeah, for sure. So you've got to train your brain, right? So remember when you change your mind. Change your life. You and change your running form. How you run, right? So, uh, so that's what drills do, right? So it would not hurt to just have a day where you just do a bunch of drills, just nonstop. And that's part of your training, right? We use it. I always prescribe it like as a warm up, mm-hmm. right? So every time you go do a workout, what are you supposed to start with? We're supposed to start with uh, drills, right? Like so you, three sets. Right. So you do like a nice, easy run, mm-hmm. right? For like five minutes or so. Yeah. And then you do your drills and then stretch or something, right? Maybe do some dynamic or mm-hmm. active stretching. Um, and so it kind of, what I like to think of it, it prepares your brain for what you're going to want to do. But then it also really starts to create a habit for race day. Yeah. Right? 
I love race day because you get to race day and you can tell nobody does anything before they run. They just walk out the door and take off running. Well, so that's kind of funny because when we went to the Woodlands Marathon recently and we were just cheering people on, mm-hmm. it was a group of us, we were planning on running a few of the athletes in. So we did our little stretches and then me, I'm guilty to say me plus like one of the other people. Were like, Jamie. I wasn't going to say her name. But <laughs> <laughs> we're like, all right, let's go. And Jane's like, we're not going to do drills. And we were like, but we're not actually racing. He's like, we still got to, we're still going to run like we six miles. We ended up running like nine miles. We ended up running total. nine or 10 miles. Yeah. And we were just like, I mean, we'll just go. You really want us to do those right now? He's like, do y'all not do these when I'm not around? We're like, yeah, we totally do. Translation, no. <laughs> I do most of the time. Sometimes. Most like, of the time. Right? So most people go out the door and they just take off running. And around mile two, they start feeling good. Right, so they don't warm up. They don't. Mm-hmm. Pre- they're not preparing their body they just for keep motion. Going into it, right? So the drills and the warm up, they get blood flowing to your muscles to prepare your body to actually perform. Right. So, like on race day, I love this because you can always tell, like, who has no routine. Right. Like you can always tell because they do some of these. Right. They grab their foot. Oh, the, the they stretch foot, out the that foot quad. To the, the foot to the butt. Yeah, to the butt. Mm-hmm. They do some of those. Right. They maybe lean to the left and the right, kind of do some arm swings. Basically, anything you've seen in a movie. Yeah, or something they see somebody around them doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then, and then they're like, all right, let's go, let's go. Right. And then they take off like at breakneck speed and then a mile or two miles in the run, they're like walking. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, warming up is important. The drills I think are a great way to implement into your warm up because they really teach, they really do. It's crazy. Like I've, I've, you know, I usually video people, you know, on our first run coaching session and we talk about like their gait and like, you Mm -hmm. know, what are some things we can improve on? And so I try to like, uh, prescribe drills for them to do to kind of help with whatever those inefficiencies are. And I can tell when people do the drills. Like seriously, if you do your drills and you're consistent with them, the next time we video you, you see significant differences in your run form. And yeah. it's not even on purpose. And what happens is, is you become aware, right? And one on one run, eventually what will end up happening is it clicks in your brain. And all of a sudden you start making these connections with your feet and with your uh, where they are to your hips. And you start seeing your form. One guy, Daniel, Right, mm-hmm. Daniel. He's one of the he's one of my assistant coaches with uh, the Champions Running Association. He's he's one of, he's the founder, one of the founders of the Champions Run Association. Yeah. And I always give him a hard time because I'm like, he always looks like he's running in a cat. He's riding in a caddy when he's running. Oh. Right. He's got that lean back, like really cool. Like he's listening to mm-hmm. some uh, uh, some Snoop Dogg or something. Right. But in his half marathon he did in the Woodlands, I noticed that. He was had a, he had a forward lean to him, right? So he wasn't leaning backwards. He his was form actually looked much better. His form looked yeah. much more uh, efficient, right? And he ran like a one thirty three, I think it was one thirty three right? or one thirty two, right? And he was like, "Oh my god, I didn't have a, it was a tough day out there. I didn't have it. My legs were hurting, right? It was hot, man. I just really was hoping I could run faster." I'm like, bro, you got like a three minute PR, right? The last time you ran this race was like you got had like a one thirty seven or something, one thirty eight. I'm like. That's a good race. You you did really well. Could he have done better? Had the weather been better, or you know, he hadn't just ran a marathon four weeks before? Maybe, but that's awesome, right? Well, and he a, ran a marathon right before that. Yeah, he ran. A, he ran uh, Houston. He was at Chevron. Yeah. So he did Chevron, and then it's you know, like six five weeks, weeks later, he did turnover. six weeks later. He did the uh, the half and got a PR on it, right? <laughs> so, but his form had improved. So you know, that's one of the things that is crazy. That if you can be more efficient in your form, you cannot get any more fitness and immediately be faster. It's really crazy. So, uh, but that's part of the training. So that's part of the rules that we kind of go into is doing drills. Um, and then the fifth thing, last thing is strength and cross training. And this, I think is what, uh, I think like with our group, it's not a challenge, right? No. With our group, it's trying to get people to run, right? Rather yeah. than do the strength stuff. More with people the, want to do the strength stuff. Cause I think they, in their, 
they equate that to getting a good workout and they equate that to getting like results and like you said, gains. Right. Whereas like runners, like strength work is the devil. A lot I'm of sorry, runners, devil. A lot of runners don't want to get strength. They don't want to start lifting. Well, like, because they don't want to bulk. Yeah. There's this connotation that you're going to ma- get mass, right? It's that ladies concept that if I work out, I'm going to get like well, ladies. Jacked. Let me tell you, um, I'm not bulky. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a bulky individual. And I lift some relatively heavy weights. Yeah. So I, to do that kind of bulking, you'd have to eat large amounts of calories, higher protein contents, right? And you'd have to be eating more calories than you're burning. And right? we know most of these ladies are not doing that either. No, so you're usually not <laughs> eating nearly enough, right? So it's not going to happen. But what strength training will do, or cross training, however you want to do it, is it will help to, you know, create some of the kind of protection, right, sure. for your joints and things mm-hmm. of that nature, support muscle groups, right? So some of us have like muscular deficiencies or imbalances, right? We talked about that leads mm-hmm. to injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I have, I've traditionally always had like weak hamstrings, right? I got these like horrible leg biceps, as I like to call them, right? We were at that High Rocks event. Mm-hmm. And everybody had leg biceps. They did. Oh, my goodness. It was just like, it was just like huge humps on the back of their legs. And yeah. I'm like, geez, those things are amazing. I want some of those. He was, he was drooling a lot. I was. Over all the leg biceps. Yeah. There was a lot of, yeah, it was nice. Was and of- I feel like they were oiled. I think a few, I feel like a few of them I do feel there was some baby oil they, involved. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was coconut oil. I, think I don't know. I there was a station that we missed. The, the, the oil, oil station? station. <laughs> I'm looking for it this time around. I'm going to go find, and if not, I'm bringing my We're own. We're starting our own oil station. I'm going to come greasy. I'm going to be looking so freaking hot. Oh my gosh. Lighting and oil do amazing things for your body. They really do. They do. They do. So uh, I digress, <laughs> but I've traditionally had like really weak hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens when I do like intense events a lot of times? Like I remember, so we have a segment and we're going to kind of, this is the segment we're going to kind of like transition into because we're going a little long, I feel like today. Um, But we want to start this segment, like your best or worst running experience. Oh yeah. Right. So I remember there was this race we were prepping for. It was the Spartan Beast in Dallas. And I felt like I was really training well. I had a great training cycle. I was amazed. I was in shape, right? So we were going to do this team competition, right? And I was really excited because I felt like I had really good teammates, right? So it was like me, uh, my buddy Mike, uh, my buddy Lou, and then uh, Brent. Uh, and so, uh, or Brett, I'm sorry. And so, you know, we'd been running and training, right? They were all younger than me. And, but we were, everybody was strong and fit. And I was like, we're going to crush, right? So it was like the team world championships too, mm-hmm. right? So about six weeks before I was playing football with some kids and like I I juked some dude like out of his ankles, right? Like broke his ankles. Uh, and then like kept going. I was heading for the end zone and I don't remember who somebody was running behind me and they were catching me. And I was like, nope. So I turned the afterburners on and then all of a sudden my hamstring just goes snap. So I <laughs> perfect timing <laughs> is exactly what happened. Right. So I pulled my hamstring and I was like, crap. So for like two weeks, I could not run at all. Right. And so my hamstring started feeling better, and so I started doing like light jogging, like easy running, and so I knew the race was coming up, right? Now, this is really before like I was really understanding the concept of aerobic fitness and running and putting in mileage and stuff. So like even then, my long run for a beast, which is a 13-mile race, or back then it was like 15, right, uh, was like maybe six miles or something, right? I thought, oh, that's enough running. So like I was doing some running, and so my hamstring was feeling good, and literally the week before the race... For some dumb reason, I decided to go play basketball, right? And I was fine the whole day. I was playing basketball with these guys, doing fine, no problems. And like, they wanted to play one more game. If you're listening, guys, don't do one more of anything, 
Okay, just stop. If you're over the age of 39, quit while you're ahead. Okay, don't do the extra one. So I played one more game, and on the last play of the game, I just turned a certain way, and bam, it happened again. I pulled my hamstring again, right? And so, you know, I was trying to take it easy, and I really didn't pull it again. I just kind of strained it a little bit, right? So, because it was already weak, right? It hadn't fully recovered or really repaired. So we get in the race. And so I told these guys, like, hey, listen, guys, you know, I'm kind of injured, but, you know, I'm going to do my best, right? So let's kind of go out easy. And then at a certain point, if you need to, leave me, right? So I think we had to get to mile eight together. And then after mile eight, we could break up and at least three of us had to cross the finish line together, right? So we're running, right? We're going through it. Everybody went out too fast. We all went out too hot. Everybody's feeling amazing except for me, right? I'm just doing everything I can to hold on and stay with them, right? And so we get to mile eight. And I'm like, all right, guys, go, leave me, take off. And they're like, no, we're a team. We got to stay together. Oh, we're a team. We got to stay together. Tell I was my like, family I, was I like, love them, mama. <laughs> I was like, no, just leave me, leave me. So finally I started walking because they wouldn't leave me. I was like, if y'all don't leave me, I'm going to just sit down. So they took off and left me, right? It was the loneliest six <laughs> miles of my life, okay? So I am struggling so bad. It was hot, like... I was not in great shape for this run. My hamstring was cramping and hurting me, right? And one of the ladies I trained started like 20 minutes after us. She passes me around mile 10. And as she's passing me, she's like, hey, James, you can do it. Don't stop. Why am I passing you, James? Those were her words. She asked me why she went by. I was like, my hamstring, uh, life sucks. I don't know, right? So she takes off and leaves me. Well, I catch her at the monkey bars because she fell off the monkey bars, right? And so she's doing burpees right because if you fall off an obstacle you gotta do burpees, do burpees right? 30 burpees. burpees so i fly through the that right because you can use your arms not your your hamstring right and so as i'm passing her this is not a good coach okay let me explain something to you this is a this is how bad a state i was in as i was passing her i was like why are you doing burpees why am i passing you you shouldn't be doing burpees and i just hey. kept going right well James, so, I so i was i was not in a good headspace okay this is a bad story i'm telling you so i'm running and as I'm running, about five minutes later, I hear, hey, James, I'm coming. Have a good race. And she passes me again, right? <laughs> so my, I'm demoralized. I'm not feeling good. And so the only like saving grace I have is that I'm not going to have to do any more climbs because the climbs were really bad. They really sucked, right? Well, then a few minutes later, I hear, keep going, James. And I look up and she is up at the top of this mountain. And I'm like, holy crap, I got to go up there, right? So I do that climb, right? And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And so I'm still thinking, okay, this has got to be the last climb. I'm done. So I come down and I come around this corner and I see our team. And I'm like, I'm not, there's no way. Did they slow down? What happened? Well, there were two heavy carries, one of which was the bucket carry. And so the bucket carry was like this, you know, I don't know, it's like 80 pounds or something full of it's gravel. It's like a giant bucket full of gravel. Right. It's- and you've got to fill up. Back then, they didn't have lids on them, right? Oh. So, like, you, there was no putting it over your shoulder. You That's had to carry it across fun. your chest, right? And it was a half-mile climb up to the top of this freaking mountain and back down. I looked at the bucket carry, and they were already gone. They'd taken off. I looked at the bucket carry, and I just kept going straight. I didn't even do the bucket <laughs> carry. That's how bad it was. Like, if I was my coach, I would have been, like, so disappointed in myself, right? Because you got to finish all the obstacles. You got to do everything. I looked at that bucket carry, and I said, screw that. Psych. Psych. Exactly. So I kept going, right? So finally, the finish line is coming, right? And so I, I climb over the, they had this cargo net climb you had to climb up, right? Everybody's finished. Our team is on the side. They're cheering me on, right? And I can see the finish line and I get to the top of this cargo net and I kid you not, right? I kid you not. My eyes watered up. 
Please tell me the girl was there again. I started crying. No, she had been finished for like 30 minutes. Oh, okay. She was done, right? I started like crying. Not because like I was emotional that I was so proud of myself for finishing the race. I was like literally tearing out because that race <laughs> defeated me and beat me up so bad. And I was so, so like demoralized. I have this amazing photo where I'm going over the fire because they have this fire and usually they give a picture. And you like, there's never been a it's picture. It's supposed to be your glory photo. Yeah, it's supposed to be like how you know you're. Oh, you conquered it's fire. There has never been a better photo that like truly captured the feeling of somebody than this picture, right? That was like just. We're gonna put it when we when we upload I was this. Say, I'm gonna need rights to this photo for. We're this gonna put it clip. up when we when we do the social media for this. Keep your eyes open, people. I look sad. <laughs> Like my face, my body, I just look like somebody just took me for 12 rounds and I didn't make it past two and they just forced me to keep going, right? And so I'm, I remember after the race, like I'm sitting on the sideline and I'm drinking water, whatever. My wife comes up to me and she's like, she's like, oh, great job, Olivia. And I, I looked up her and I was like, baby, I love you. Just don't talk to me right now. I was like, I need some time. I need some, <laughs> I need some space, right? And so after the race, we're still all sitting around and I had this shirt. I had this really cool shirt made up that had my beefcake mm-hmm. like logo on it. it was mm-hmm. a black like nike shirt i'd made up and so i went to grab it to put it on because change clothes and lou comes up to me and he's like dude man i can't believe you finished that you're awesome you're great dude and i went to put the shirt on he's like dude i love that shirt and i just gave him the shirt <laughs> i gave him the shirt you and i was like worthy i was like i'm not worthy to wear this shirt ever again and so every time i see him he wears that freaking shirt right so I went to go do a race with him. He had the shirt on. I went to go like train with him one day. He had the shirt on Aww. every time I see him. And so I don't know if he's doing it on purpose to jack with me, but like every time I see it, I'm reminded of how I felt on that race. And it literally it was after that race that I decided, okay, now obviously I was injured a little bit, but it was less about the injury and more about my preparation. It was after that race, I decided, all right, I've got to learn how I know how to do obstacles. I need to learn how to run. And so I started you know, researching. I went and got certified as a run coach. And I started training better, and it was crazy. The next time I did that race, you did it with me, I think. Mm-hmm. The next time I did that race, I went from, I think it was like three and a half hours. The next time I did it, I was sub two, and I was like podiuming. Podi- I podiumed, right? Um, so that was just a year later after that race. So, and since then, when I race, I don't race you know, unprepared, and I feel so much better no matter the distance. Um, and so, you know, I think we can take those kind of failures. We can take those things that happen to us. That's funny now to look back at it and see the photos and remember how horrible you felt. But like, if you can learn from those things and, and take like positive things out of that, oh my gosh, there's nothing you can't do. You know, most people don't learn from them. They just, they're just like, oh, I guess I'll just feel like that again. Next time I go do this race. <laughs> hey, hey, not too much. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Man, James, that was a story. Oh, yeah. Like I felt like I laughed, I cried. That was like an emotional roller coaster. It was like a trailer for a movie. Uh yeah. Well, I feel like I can say you ever like like I have like it's burned in my brain. Like, oh yeah. I, as I'm telling you the story, I can remember like there's images yeah, in my head of it. You're making my hammies hurt thinking about it. I had yeah. that experience too. Yeah. So but that was one of the things I did is I started working on my hamstring strength, right? I started working on my form, obviously my aerobic fitness as well. And so I ran the marathon, which was actually twice the distance. And I ran it, you know, way faster and my hamstrings, nothing cramped, right? Because I prepared myself better. Even though I was pushing harder, I was in a much better place, right? Did the five rules. I stuck to the five rules, right? Mm. So I always try to make sure I'm sticking to the golden rules of running. And because of that, I can't tell you the last time I was injured. I can't tell you the last time, uh, you know, I haven't had a good race, right? Every race I've done in the last three years, I've PR'd on. That doesn't happen, right? Especially when you're 42 years old or 40, over 40. You don't usually improve. That's not like what people think, right? 
So, you know, you can continue to improve on fitness. You continue to be a better runner, stronger, whatever mm-hmm. it is, if you put good training techniques into play. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. So uh, do you guys have anything else? Anything you want to add? Anything you, uh, you guys feel like we left out? I think we hit it all almost, uh, huh? I, I feel like we hit it all. I definitely, on another episode, want to tackle like nutrition running. So that's something that we'll talk about in the future. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like an episode. That I is like, like an episode in itself. In itself right? Yeah. Like the more I did the about, research on it, I was like, we could talk about this for a very long yeah, time. Yeah. And I think that has to do, it's like, you're talking about nutrition, like from day to day, before a race. Pre, post, during. During like, a race. You can really Right. So we could definitely dive that into up. that and we'll definitely hit that in there. So. Guys, you know, please uh, comment. Let us know, you know, if you'd like to learn more about that. If you want to talk about it, maybe that's one of we'll, maybe we won't put it later on. Maybe we'll do it sooner than later. Sure. Right. Uh, what else? Anything else? Give the people what they want. Uh, make sure you're commenting questions, all that good stuff. So we kind of know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. And we'd love to hear from people. We want to get to know our community better so that we can continue to build on it. Yeah, definitely. So make sure you follow us. Um, obviously, we're on, if you're listening, you should be hearing us on multiple platforms now. Um, you should also check out uh, Running with James uh, YouTube page. Absolutely. We drop new videos every single week mm-hmm. from shoe reviews to training mm-hmm. techniques, funny videos, all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, make sure you hit that notification bell um, and you can comment there as well. So if you're watching the podcast or if you're listening to the podcast, let us know when you watch one of our Running with James videos. Mm-hmm. Comment down below and say, oh, I heard about it on the podcast. Or something. Yeah. We want to know about that. So we're trying to build a community, guys. So we want to know what you're doing. So. We have an event coming up April 30th. We mentioned it earlier. So yes. if you're out in the streets, come join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Even if you don't want to race, come by, come to the gym, see what we're all about, meet us. We'll all be there. Yeah. Like James said, April 30th, it's going to be a real fun event. And there's going to be a lot of other gyms coming. So it's going to be fun. We're very excited. Yeah. So you can bring your gym, right? So if you want to just come spectate, yeah. it'll be a cool event to just bring watch or volunteer, gym. right? If you want to come volunteer, we'll take volunteers. We'll definitely take um, You get a free shirt if you want to mm-hmm. volunteer, right? Um, and you can check out our website, mybcfit.com. Mm-hmm. Just go to the events page and you can check more information out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel free. You can reach out uh, through social media. Um, IG, if you would like my to, BC fit. if you'd like to uh, volunteer as well. So uh, that's available to anybody who'd like to do that. So, but if you want to race, you should come race. If you've never done an obstacle course race, this will be a good one. This will be a good one to start with. Cause it won't, it'll be challenging enough that, uh, you know, it'll challenge you, well, but it won't be so difficult that you'll hate it. And we love to meet you. You get to, you know, you might just get some tips from James himself right then and there. When you come with BC, you have a whole family supporting you and cheering you on. Yeah, for sure. I probably give away too much free information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to start charging people. Yeah, I got to start charging for the information I just give away freely. Right. Subscriptions. So Jamie was cracking me up one day. She's one of our athletes. And she kind of like, she was one of those athletes that kind of came in like, not begrudgingly, but like, she kind of like eased into it. She did. Right. She like slowly. She slowly in. like, because like maybe she didn't trust us. I don't know what it was. Right. But you could tell, like, everything I would talk about, you know, with the during our run coaching or during, like, a class or something, you could tell she was just absorbing it. And she was listening, and she was actually putting it into practice, right? And uh, so she took advantage of all the free information. And then as she was getting ready for her marathon, she's like, hey, you know, I want to do some run coaching or whatever. And so she came to me, and when we were doing our first session, she's like, I kind of felt guilty that I needed to do this just because of all the free information you gave me. And I was like, I mean, I just want to help people, right? So uh, there's only so much you can do with the information if you don't have the background and you don't really understand sure. all the science behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why you get a coach is so that they can kind of personalize it. For she you. taught you something too. One strip rule. Say that one more time. She taught you something. She taught us the one strip rule. What's one the one strip, strip rule? Wait. What? Oh no! You're talking about the one skin rule. Oh, one skin rule. Yeah. Was it one this strip? Rule, one strip. Do you rule. ever pay attention? <laughs> I'm eighty twenty. I'm, I'm sticking to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's only listening to eighty <laughs> percent. 
<laughs> yes, we did learn One something skin at roll. our brunch after the race. We learned that apparently there's a rule for ladies, Lauren. What is out of what's the rule? I don't believe in the rules, but we know you don't believe, I don't in, believe the in the she rules. She believes in the <laughs> Oh my There you go. James. That, that is oh, oh man, I didn't mean that. And I don't believe oh, in that rule either. Oh, we gotta cut that. Yeah. No, we're keeping that. We in. gotta cut that. She, <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Okay. Since James needs to collect himself, I will let you know the apparent rule that is out there is that if you are going out that you're supposed to only reveal one area of skin, whether it's your cleavage or your tummy or your legs or your arms. I think that was it. Was that it? I think it was it. You know what, ladies? The guys are going to give me stares for this. I say, be comfortable, be yourself, and... Don't let people tell you how to live your life. Modesty is key, ladies. Modesty is key. Keep it to the imagination for us, guys. I promise you. I promise you the guys need mystery. We want mystery. You'll get a better quality of man if you give a little mystery. That's my opinion. I'm an old dude. James is an old dude. I'm a, I'm a young, yeah. hip, with a relatable. Daughter, with a five-year-old daughter. And I've got a dog. Yeah. She's hip and relatable. <laughs> I'm yeah. hip and relatable. Yeah. Okay. That's a personal opinion. Yes. It's true. She's hip. And she's relatable to people. I'm fun. Not me. I'm <laughs> so fun. I can't relate. I'm, I'm old. Fun. You are fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Thank we're doing. You. And I'm apparently an idiot because... <laughs> you just... <laughs> you don't have to repeat it. Oh, man. Jesus. Cut that. We have to cut no, that. No, we got to keep it in. That's no. so much fun. The people want to tell no. us, do you want us to keep it in? No, we... they're going to know. They won't know about we're it. Gonna yeah, they won't even in. know about it because we're going to have to put on a stinking... Oh, that's so funny. ...mature audiences not only. Not a mature audience. We'll bleep it out. Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. We'll bleep. Bleep. Well, that's gonna I can't let believe them think it. all sorts of things. You know what would have probably been okay is if I'd have said it and then not like immediately like Reacted. realize it and said, "Holy crud! I can't believe I just said that's that." So I, funny. I meant number, number of skins, right? Mm-hmm. Like your I, arm, I knew your he elbow. Meant, but it was so it, of all the numbers I could have picked, I could have put three. I could have said six, but no. So I'm an idiot. Stay Please tuned. forgive me. Stay tuned, people. This is going to be so much fun as oh we go my forward. Gosh, thank you for listening and tuning in. If I have offended anybody, please understand it was not on purpose, and don't cancel me. Don't be mad nah. at me. We're it's fun. I don't care. Cancel me. No, don't. No. <laughs> don't cancel me. I'm kidding. All right, guys. Thanks for coming in. All and right, uh, once again, we'll check you out next time on the Running with James podcast. And remember, when you change your mind, you change your life. <laughs> you change your life. Change your language. My gosh.